0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 367. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week I'm back with my co host, Jen Schwanke, and we're going to be talking about heart and head, a principal's <laughs> essentials tools. And Jen, it's so great to see you. I want to set this conversation up by letting readers know or listeners know that they can be readers because I'm holding in my hand, even though this is a audio recording, I'm holding in my hand, the ASCD education leadership magazine And this past month, you had an article that you shared out called heart and head A principles, essential tools. Why don't you set up? What motivated you to share this work? and because i know you got some wonderful stories here but we're going to take some time today to just unpack why as leaders it's important for us to keep that healthy tension in balance between what's going on in our hearts and in our heads
1: right right yeah this was a an article that came out of a an article i had read probably two, three, four years ago, and it had nothing to do with education. I love um, reading about cooking, cookbooks, those types of things. And I think this was in an episode of um, Bon Bon Appetit, perhaps, I don't even remember. And it was a, a kind of a profile of certain chefs and the tools, their most essential tools. And so they would profile the chef and say where they worked and say what kind of food they cooked. And then they would explain what their most essential tool was. And so I, you know, there was the, the one who said, oh, my goodness, my hand mixer. Another person said my stand mixer. Another person said, um, oh, I'm, you know, my rolling pin, my butcher paper, my parchment paper, whatever. And then one chef said, my most essential tool is my hands and it really struck me because i as someone who cooks a lot my hands are magic you know i can squish ground beef i can cut things i can um oh goodness slice things dice things fry things my hands are what tells me how the food is cooking And so I, you know, I thought about that, it kind of mulled over in my brain for the longest time. And then that made me start thinking about what it is that principals need. What are their most essential tools? It's easy to think, well, my, my walkie talkie or my um, attendance program or my secretary or any number of the things that make our work possible. But I really wanted principals to think about what they have already that they're using as an essential tool.
0: What I love about this is um, years ago, Mercedes-Benz had an image that they placed out in a magazine copy. And I found this image and I've used it some in conversations with leaders and I'll place this image up. And if you can picture it, it's a, it's an image of the brain and it's divided in half and on one side... The left side, you have all of these charts and analytical drawings and things that look so mathematical and stair steps and stuff. And on the right side of that brain, you've got all kinds of color and passion and music symbols and um flowing manes of horses running in the wind. Right. And so, okay. and, and the point is that that when you look at a human brain, even scientists recognize that certain parts of your brain are more stimulated by what you're doing. And so my question is to leaders is always like, okay. Can you think about the, you know, that teacher in your building that you say is your magic teacher? Like, what yes. are they doing that's magic? Well, what are they, what are they doing right now that's showing that they use both the analytical side, but they're also using that creative, passionate side? And so, what I love about your analogy is you're asking the same question, educators and as leaders, how are you relying on both that methodical, important head side of your work, but then also how are you relying on that heart part of your work? Because it actually takes both for kids to learn and for buildings to flourish.
1: Well exactly. And I think that one of the mistakes principals make is they rely too heavily on one side or the other because they think they should. I've worked with principals before who say, you know, I follow policy, I I follow guidelines, I know our teacher contract, I know what I should do, I know the rules And it's like, well, yeah, but where's the human being in that? Where Mm -hmm. is your heart? Where is the connection that people need to feel with you as a leader? Similarly, principles sometimes say, okay, I'm just going to connect. I'm going to build my relationships, right? We talked about that for years, build relationships, build relationships. That doesn't mean that we greet everybody in the morning, have a great day, and then let them do whatever they want without guidance and support. So it's a balance as with everything in life, right? It's a balance of having both.
0: So take a moment, Jen, and just walk us through, because you have taken some time in this article to walk readers through, but I want to give listeners the opportunity to think about what that looks like in practice, especially from the role of a principal.
1: You know, well, that's a great question. How using our heads and balancing it with using our hearts, how we do that is an exercise in balance and we won't always get it right. But when I think about my own leadership, I think it works best when it's a cognitive, intentional decision to pull on both. And by that, I mean, I think it's very important. Let's, let's talk about something in the heart realm. I think it's very important that students, that parents, that teachers know that their principal really likes them, (laughs) respects them, believes in them. Right. And, and so it's important that when we interact with these stakeholders, we make sure they know that. Um, Quick, quick story. When I first interviewed as a teacher in my current district, one of the interview questions was, do you want your students to like you? And everything in me said, the answer they want is no. The answer they want is no, I want to be respected. I want to be, um, I want people to do what I say. But I went with my heart. And I answered, yes, I want my students to like me. And I left the interview and I got in my car it was 8,000 degrees outside. And I rolled down the windows and the phone was ringing my, my very first cell phone. And they said, they offered me the job. And I said, Oh, I didn't know about that question. And, and the HR director said that was exactly the right answer. Of course we want our students to like us. And I think that applies for leaders. Our students, our teachers, they need to know that we're there liking them, respecting them, and believing with them. So you have to approach interactions with that mindset and then balance it with what you know in your heads. What does the research say about what's best for students in this situation? What is the curriculum telling me to do? What is my policy telling me to do? And then you can kind of guide your response based on that balance between the two. I
0: love that. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something for listeners that you that you that I thought you did so um, beautifully in this article, which was describe what making decisions looks like when we're using our hearts and then describe what making decisions may look like when we're using our heads.
1: Well, (laughs) I think it depends on the, on the situation, honestly, Will, because um, you have, we have to evaluate all situations that come to us for what they are. Um, You and I were talking offline right before we recorded this, and we were talking about sometimes there are issues that feel really, really big, and they're just not. And we can let our hearts get us wrapped up in something that isn't going to move the needle at all in terms of our students and their experience. Um, And so that's when we need to decide, hey, wait a minute, is this a thing? If it's not a thing, how do we let it go? Um, How do we move on? So that's just one quick reaction to that question will because i think it every situation is so different we have to cognitively and intentionally think what's needed from me here when yeah. do i use my head when do i use my heart and and you and i had kind of jotted down some examples i think that we could kind of work through to let our listeners know when to use that
0: yeah so that. so let me let me ask you about that because and i'm, I'm pushing here on purpose jen because you know, as, as I always picture myself as the listener, I'm like, okay, this is great. I need to keep in mind this tension and this balance between my heart and my head and my practice. What is that going to look like in real life? So can you talk for a little bit about what, for for instance, student discipline or even discipline with a teacher? Um, so what would that look like when you're using both the heart and the head in those situations?
1: and this happens to principals what 100 times a day mm-hmm. um yes you know people behave badly people make mistakes people um do things that don't fit into what we want from our schools um and so i think it's easy for principals to go too far either way so let's say there's been a fight in the lunchroom it's easy to bring both kids down and say okay you both swung you're both out 3 days i'm calling your mom see see you on Friday. But I think there's no kid swings without having a reason. And that's not to say that's, I'm not saying the reason is justified. I'm saying that that kid in that moment was overrun with feelings and needs someone to know that. Right. And so as a principal, I always found it so helpful to say, I know you don't want to be here. I know you're upset. I would be too. Can you tell me how you're feeling? And then that helps you get into that the mind of that student and at least, at the very, very least, give them that moment of being heard and seen. Then once you feel like you've got that picture in your heart, then you can say, okay, but unfortunately we did have this significant disruption and, and there are people that are hurt, even if it's emotionally. So we're going to have to talk about the repercussions of this of this incident. And then you shift into what you know is best using your head. Again, your policies, your guidelines, your protocols, your discipline ladder, whatever it is that fits best with your school. And this certainly applies with disciplining teachers too. These um, situations I feel like are so incredibly complex because for every teacher that has made a mistake, there's a hundred people watching how you handle it. And so you have to rely on ethical, fair, due process responses. But you also need to know that probably no human being woke up this morning and said, I really want to get in trouble with my principal today. Nobody says that, right? And so you have to think about how the um, need that people have to be liked, respected, and believed in, how that plays out in this person's mind.
0: So I want to give a couple of examples that are coming to my mind too, Jen, because I can remember an incident that we managed years ago when I was a high school principal of a student death. And those are sometimes the most traumatic situations you're ever going to go through. And I remember it was the first time as a principal that I had to write something to the community explaining where we were in terms of responding to this tragedy, how we were going to be supporting kids through the presence of counselors, some upcoming um, memorials that had been planned in the communities. So it was both informational, but this was also a very sensitive situation. And I I remember at the time drafting the email and, you know, having let my team see it, but then I actually showed it to my wife before it was going to go public. Missy was also a parent now in, in my school, but she's a, she's a, she's a trusted uh, confidant because she'll usually tell me what she thinks. And she said, well, that's very helpful information, but I haven't heard your heart at all in this letter. I think you should first <clears throat> acknowledge like the sorrow of the situation before you go into the information. Right. And that was so helpful because I did. I rewrote the letter to make sure that it expressed the heart of what was happening, not just the information that was needed. And that little tip... Again, Jen, was just an example of her recognizing that head-heart tension, and, right. but, it, but it's something to keep in mind when you think about your communication. How are you communicating in every situation, both the heart and the head, in what you're saying to students and community members?
1: Well, and let's flip that. Let's say you were a different leader, and you had written an email or or s- compiled information that said, what a loss, what a tragedy, we're in such pain you know, we'll get through this, signed, Will Parker. Somebody might say, well, yeah, where's the information? What are we going to do? Where's the counselors? Right. What's the mm-hmm. timeline? Mm-hmm. So it's easy, you know, your your example is spot on because had you gone too far the other way, you wouldn't have told people what they needed, which was reassurance that, hey, somebody's leading this. Somebody's in charge. Somebody's thought of all these components. Yeah. And so that's why you and I talk a lot about having somebody else read our work or, or bounce ideas off. You know, I think that's what's important because you could say to someone, this is a great tool for our listeners to walk away with today. They could say to a trusted confidant or a secretary or an assistant, can you make sure that both my head and my heart are reflected in this? Or can you look at this staff meeting agenda do we have enough things that are going to make people feel good about the work that we're doing in addition to the facts that we're giving them? Mm -hmm. So I think we can, we can intentionally articulate the need to balance both head and heart.
0: So Jen, um, I'm actually going to read you back to you because (laughs) I just thought this was so helpful. I want to read back to you, um, thoughts that should be in your mind leaders if you are making decisions with your heads. I'm going to read that first. And then I'm going to read back to you some thoughts that leaders should keep in their minds if they're they're making decisions with their hearts. Are you ready? I'm ready. So so when you make decisions with your heads, and these are your words, Jen, but I I really like them. Others will know, one, decisions are made using data knowledge and stakeholder input. Two, my principal knows the policies and guidelines and laws and mandates of our school and system. Three, my principal understands my contract and negotiated agreement and implements it in language in a reasonable and fair way. Four, my principal knows what I teach and can provide helpful feedback so I can continuously improve. Five, there are protocols and processes to ensure fair, equitable, and inclusive environments. And six, best practices are implemented and we evolve with the needs of our students. All of those are very smart, knowledgeable, expectations that our people should have of their principals. Support for Principal Matters comes from School CEO. School CEO is a research and perspectives magazine for superintendents and other K-12 leaders powered by AptiG. School CEO has many resources. First and foremost, their quarterly print magazine. Explore schoolceo.com to explore how you can market the strengths of your schools. You can sign up for their newsletter and subscribe to their podcast. And you should also look into the School CEO Conference, which brings keynote speakers together to explore how to build a better brand and culture in your school. Learn more at schoolceo.com. Support for Principal Matters comes from Digicoach and it's walk through tool. I want you to picture walking through classrooms, observing teachers and students in just 10 minutes, you hope to see good instructional strategies and student learning taking place, or maybe you have some questions about something missing from instruction or planning. Instead of taking 30 minutes to write a follow-up email or leaving your teacher unsupported, wouldn't it be great to have an app on your phone or tablet where you could send immediate feedback while also collecting data. Enter, DigiCoach, a customizable walkthrough and coaching tool created by school leaders for school leaders with thousands of pre-written research-based commendations and coaching tips empowering you to provide quick, actionable feedback. DigiCoach is not an evaluation tool. Instead, it is an easy-to-use feedback and coaching tool, an efficient way to store your notes and to collect data for improving student outcomes right in your hands. It can be used on iPhone, Android, or tablets and includes speech-to-text functions. Make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers. Go to digicoach.com to learn more, and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com.
1: Well, and let me jump in. I mm-hmm. I don't remember if I said this in the article or not, but I do know that we don't all have to walk around being an encyclopedia of information, right? Any one of those that you just read, the principal can easily say, you know what? I know there's a policy on that. I'm going to get back to you. Or let's take a look at the negotiated agreement together to see what the language guides us to do. So it's not like we all have to have this mastered and memorized to rely on our intellect and our cognition, but we have to know where to find it. So, side note.
0: Yeah. And so the flip side of that, when we make decisions using our hearts, others will know. And again, I'm using your words. One, my principal likes me, respects me, and believes in me. Two, I add value to this community. Three, I will make mistakes, but they do not define me as a person or professional. Four, my principal is gracious and empathetic. And five, expectations and goals are set because they are attainable, reasonable, and will make us better.
1: Well, that list sounds doable, right? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about an example of a time that I relied too much on my heart. And this was probably 10 or 12 years ago, but there was an employee, I was new to the school and there was a, an employee and I know she'd been through a very, very hard time. She'd um, Somebody in her family had had a horrific accident and it was just devastating. And a year or two had passed But I just felt so bad for this person, right? And she came to me and she said, I'm almost out of absence days. I really need to go to this appointment. Oh, what do I do? There were tears and my heart just broke for her. And so I said, and I'm actually shocked I did this. I took her absence form and I ripped it up and I said, we'll be okay, we'll cover for you. She said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, then about five days later, she was back in my office, tears. I'm so sorry, I'm out of days. I need another day. And I thought, huh? And I said, okay. And then she did it again. And I thought I've been had. I don't think I was deliberately manipulated, but what I should have done from the get-go is, okay, how can I help you solve this? Is there a sick leave bank? Is there a way that you could take this appointment and do some flex time? I could have still relied on my heart without breaking our district policy, right? I could have done all of that. And looking back on that moment, that's kind of why I started thinking I have, you know, the chef's hands. I have the essential tools. I have my heart to rely on. But man, I also know that if I'm going to be fair and I'm going to be a leader that's thought of as relying on equitable um mandates, I, I need to do both. And and we can't ever just say, nope, this is the way it is, relying on our heads or our hearts. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, here, let me let me break the rules for you. <laughs>
0: That's a great example, Jen. And, and so I want to, I want to just speak to that as we're wrapping up, because there's a tension that it seems like is constant in every school. And it's the tension between, you know, are we following protocols, doing things the way we're supposed to, um, or are we caring for kids and making sure that we're understanding where they're coming from and giving them the sympathy and the empathy that they deserve. And that tension is actually two sides of the same coin. We need both. We need expectations and and, and policies and um, standards and structure so that we can have the kind of place where creativity and passion and on discovery and empathy can exist. And so Principal managers, listeners, I don't know if this is helpful for you, but it's just helpful for me when I'm stepping into a day or any situation to recognize that both of those can be present at the same time. Right. And maybe if you discover you have a strength area where one of those tends to be your default, then maybe you need to rely on other people on your team to call you out if you're leaning too hard on one side and not the other. Or maybe you need to make sure that the people you're bringing into your leadership teams reflect that complexity of, of, of both of those things at the same time, because it's not that one is better than the other. It's that both are necessary if we're going to have the kinds of place that we want our kids to go to school.
1: You know what I started to do? It's a little trick, but I'll often run meetings where we're making a plan, right? And everybody knows their roles, their responsibilities, and what we're going to do when we walk out of the room. I used to say, okay, sound good? How does this sound, everybody? What I started to say is, okay, how's this feel? Hmm. because what it did is it allowed me to bring us back to the heart. How does this feel? Does it feel good? Does it feel like we're doing the right thing? All right. How does this feel to everybody? And, um, often I'll get, Oh, it's great. But sometimes somebody will say it doesn't feel right. And I'll say, okay, tell me more because that's a way again, to bring us back to head and heart.
0: Jen, I'm going to tell one more story that, um, I'm hesitating on how to tell this because I don't want to come (laughs) across too hard, but I think, if I'm if I'm thinking it, maybe it just needs to be said, but I was sitting across from a mentor friend of mine a couple of years ago. He coaches principals um, in his retirement years. He was a high, a high school principal for decades. And now he gets to be in the role of coaching younger leaders. And he told me, um, we were having lunch together one day. He said, well, I was having a conversation with a principal, about the importance of heart and head. And we were talking about, you know, the the need to care for the people that you're, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, because people can tell when you care. And he said, this young leader responded back to me. Um, I know that I'm supposed to care, but most of the time I just have to pretend it. <laughs> and and we both stopped in that moment and just reflected on like, hmm, I wonder how long this person's going to last. And so I, I just, right. so, so, so I just, Yeah. So I just want to stop here for a moment because I, I think it's important when we're talking about heads and hearts to just recognize you can't manufacture this. this right. So you, you can't, you can't manufacture this. You can be mindful of it. um But if you find yourself pretending that you understand policies and procedures and things that you don't, then go back and do your homework. But if you find yourself pretending that you care about kids and teachers that you're working with, I think you might need a different profession. Right. Because right. both, because you need to be sincerely committed to both. If you're going to see the kind of environment that you want a child to be in every day.
1: Right. And that might be a future episode because I do think indifference is a sign of something bigger. Mm-hmm. You and I've talked about that. Um, just the two of us too. So I think, yeah, it's a real risk and it's, it's time to look in the mirror and say, Oh my goodness, where'd I lose my way? So,
0: well, Jen, I know that people that are listening to this show right now care about, their kids in their schools. And we get to hear from listeners. And it's so encouraging. Just this past week, you and I got a a message from a listener who was just telling us um, in the decade plus of work that he's done in school leadership, that being able to be a part of these conversations reminds him of the priorities that he has, reminds him that he's not alone. And so Principal Matters listeners, I want to thank you for trusting us and being a part of this community. And if you have a question for us, you've got a situation that you want to reach out for Jen or I to discuss on the show, or if you want to just reach out because you'd like to connect with us through email or set up a time to just chat by phone or Zoom, we would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at will at williamdparker.com. And Jen, how can they find you?
1: They can email me at jenschwanke at gmail.com.
0: Well, I just also want to tell you guys that both Jen and I, Love to work with leaders and teachers. And if you have never seen, I'm going to plug you, Jen. If you've never seen (laughs) Jen Schwanke in action, and I have both on stage and virtually and, of course, through her books. And please check out her work at jenshwanke.com. And, of course, you can see all the work that we're doing at my website at williamdparker.com. But until next time, Jen, thank you for this wonderful article. And thank you for the time you've given to Principal Matters listeners today. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. we will talk to you again next week.
1: Thanks again, everyone.
0: You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies' mastermind offerings and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today and thanks again for doing what matters.